you're listening to the private citizen defending your right to have something to hide this is episode 90 for wednesday the 13th of october 2021 blowing the wrong whistle hello everybody my name is fab coming to you live from Düsseldorf in the uh, western part of Germany. I'm your host today. I'm always your host, really. <laughs> uh, somewhat. Um, no, I'm always your host. <laughs> thanks thanks for being there uh, once again. Um, after the uh, you know special episode on Monday, this is the uh, regularly scheduled Wednesday episode, and I'm streaming this live on Twitch once again. So we might have some live feedback, and um, today we will talk about something that I've I've hinted at. I've, I was going to talk about really not not a big surprise. I'm going to talk about uh, Francis Haugen, the uh, Facebook whistleblower, and uh, how um, I think and I'm not the only one. That's not, not my original idea, really. <laughs> I think she's um, she's been somewhat used um, to further an ag agenda that we shouldn't. Uh, um, you know, it it sounds it all sounds well and good in the media, and she's a heroine and all of that. But like, really, there's an agenda being pushed that I don't think we should uh, let them push. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that case today. Um, just thinking if there's any like um, special housekeeping I need to do uh, before we launch right into the topic, but I can't think of anything. And there's nothing in the show notes uh, on private citizen of press, by the way, if you wanna if you wanna read along. Um, so um, let's let's get let's get right into it, shall we? So, uh, what are we talking about? Um, there was a thing um, I had. I already thought this this was in Congress, like a hearing, but I think it was in the Senate. Uh, I, you know, I wrote about some blog, and I wrote Congress, and I think I might have been uh, mistaken on that. Uh, you know, not having done uh, much studying of the American uh, system back when I was studying politics, I sometimes still mess that up. Um, but anyway, there's um, there's a woman called uh, Frances Haugen who is a uh, who worked at Facebook, and uh, she's a whistleblower now. Um, so she's um, she's been um, she's come out and and criticized Facebook and its business model, and you know she's made she's she's made uh, several points really, but like the main point um, that everybody um, you know in the in the in the press. Um, not everybody, of course, but like the the big publications have been running with is that she's criticizing Facebook for basically not censoring all of our speech enough. And um, it, that has, for some reason, has been lauded, uh, you know, in, in lots of writing and lots of reporting um, on TV as well, on the radio probably. Um, so I want to look into that, why that is. And like, if you look at the story, so I put one in the show notes. Um no, I don't want to read The Guardian in print uh, <laughs> from The Guardian, who's bugging me. Um, there were like, uh, earlier, I was like, I got a pop-up where it's like, oh, you read so many stories this year. You should contribute to The Guardian. And I'm like, 
I'm just thinking about this, reading this story, thinking on how incredibly bad that journalism is. I'm like, I'm not going to support you for this shit. So uh, this is a story on The Guardian, and this is from the uh, 10th of October. Uh, headline is Francis Haugen, Haugen takes on Facebook, the making of a modern U.S. hero. Right? You read that. In her explosive Senate testimony, the former employee exposed how the tech giant put profit before the public good. Well, big surprise. <laughs> but you read that and you think that, that that's got to be an editorial. That's got to be an op-ed. Right? And you read the beginning. Um, I'm just going to read the beginning because it's bad enough. Um, the journey from disillusioned ex-employee to modern-day heroine takes Francis Haugen less than five months. The 37-year-old locked out of Facebook's company network for the last time in May and last week was being publicly lauded as a, quote, 21st century American hero on Washington's Capitol Hill. Like, how is that a balanced news story? Right? Calling somebody a hero. That is not very journalistic. I mean, okay. Let's say there's a burning building and this woman runs into the burning building and carries out um, three unconscious men, a baby and a grandma, right? Then you go and say she's a hero. That's like accepted. But, you know, we have, okay, we have a whistleblower. I like whistleblowers. I did an episode on whistleblowers where I think they're good. Uh, what episode was that? I keep saying these things and I'm like, I can't remember what episode that is. But luckily, uh, the private citizen at the top, private citizen oppressed, there's a, there's a button. There's a something, there's a link you can click. And, uh, and then there's too many episodes. Uh, whistleblower. Uh, so what do we got? That was episode 36. The episode's called The Importance of Whistleblowers. You can also, of course, click on the whistleblower ta uh, tag that's in on the current episode. So I like whistleblowers, right? But like, even Edward Snowden, when when he came out, wasn't wasn't like called a hero. Assange was probably never called a hero, not by the Guardian. You know, um, Snowden maybe years later, but I I don't know. Uh, maybe in an op-ed, but not in a news story. Like in the same week or the next week that it came out, it's like this guy is a hero. Right, they were all like very objective <laughs> back then. Now it's just like, hey, yeah, she's a hero. Um, super user says, I hate the subtitle they gave it. Um, but the issue is that it's not even a clickback title. It continues to call her a hero in the article. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like the new style, right? Back back, you know, when I was still at an editorial thing, you'd actually like. Um, yeah, I, I never. I wouldn't say I did. I I, I consciously never did a clickback. I've I've been, I've been called, you know, I've been uh, insulted uh, many many times that I had a clickbait headline. But you know, clickbait means you write a headline that where the article can't fulfill what you promise in the headline. I never do that. Um, like any any good journalist would never do that. That's just dumb. Like you, that you can pull that off once, and then people don't trust you anymore. So I would never do that. But like you you know, there's an art in in headlines. Like you know, obviously you over dramatize things in the headline to, to pull people in. You can do that without being clickbaity. And that used to be the way you did it when you actually wanted your stuff to be read, when I when I was still, you know, before I was, became a freelancer. Now, the, the new stuff seems to be, no, you just, the whole article's like that. <laughs> you just, it's just hyperbole top to bottom. It's just like, what the fuck? What about podcast title? You know how to grab attention? I hope so. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm actually making a con conscious effort with this podcast. Um, you know, I've done other podcasts in the past, but like I'm making a conscious effort to have titles and uh, like subtitles that grab attention without them 
you know, I, I think I, I, I don't want to misrepresent what I say in the episode, right? I, you want to you wanna bring it to a point, right? So you overdo it maybe a little bit, but the, 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 there's an art to it, right? And the art is to pull people in um, without promising something that you can't deliver. Like today's title is kind of vague. It intrigues you. Yeah, so, um, you know, blowing the wrong whistle. That is, that's what it's supposed to be, right? I could just say... If, you know, Francis Hogan is being used, or like you could use like Facebook whistleblower Francis Hogan as an episode title, right? Um, but like everybody has that. Like there's probably ten thousand podcasts that have that title, just in the last week. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to to walk that line. But like this article, the whole article is like this. Like literally the whole article. I'm not. Gonna, you're completely right. I'm not going to read this out. It's very, very, very long. I've been <laughs> I've been scrolling for about a minute now. Um, it is, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why they think that is that is journalism now. Um, and, you know, as, as you, you can tell, and that's just one example of the coverage, but you can tell that this coverage of this, of, of, of what she said at her hearing is complete bullshit just by that. Because, you know, um, wh what is that heroin line? Like, what, what's that supposed to be? Like, that's, that's not the, how is that not an editorial? It's ridiculous. Like, they never called Max Schrems, who I've reported on on the show, you know, the guy who sues Facebook all the time uh, for GDPR violations, stuff like that. Never called him a hero, did, didn't they? Like, why didn't they do that? Um, so my theory is because Max Schrems, his plight, i.e. fighting, you know, tracking, user data tracking, is not in, that is not in the interest of the press, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, the mainstream press, I mean, press, um, you know, financed by advertising, um, is in the same business as Facebook, right? They're, that's, they're, they're in a surveillance capitalism business. It's the same, it's the same thing, basically. And they work with many of the same, you know, lots of publishers work with, you know, advertising agencies that, for example, belong to Google, um, with Facebook, not so much. Facebook is more like a an alternative proposition. But like, so when somebody fights that, they can't really, you know, they write news about that, but they can't really like call him a hero because somebody will say, you look like the publishers, like our publishers, our companies kind of making like, you know, you can't say that tracking is evil because like we're tracking as well. Um, so, I mean, you can you know some inside baseball here if you if you're a, an editor at a publication and, and and they allow somewhat uh you know editorial independence that you can do that you can write stories like when i was working at heiser there were lots of people including me writing about tracking and writing about the bad aspects of tracking knowing full well that you know heiser makes you know the website not the magazine but the website makes us money with some of the same means um, so that's actually laudable. That's like when you have that at the publication, that's, that's editorial independence. That's pretty cool. Um, but in general, you will not have like the full, all of the publications full of it, right? That will never be the, the main uh, driving point behind your publication if your publication also makes money from that. I mean, you, you have to be incredibly, uh, like you'd be an incredible hypocrite and you'd have to have an incredible ability to, like compartmentalize your brain to actually do that. Um, uh, super user says, uh, 
in, in Twitch chat, I'm a bit less cynical. You think I'm cynical? <laughs> I think uh, that, like most people, journalists, great polit political risks about privacy risk. Oh, I actually, I've made a made a conscious effort to say privacy because I'm, you know, I generally talk rather British English. You know, I'm trying to use the Queen's English. I say, is is your, uh, so I should say privacy. So I'm I'm trying. I, I actually stopped doing that when I started the show to make the show more accessible because people, lots of people think privacy is like a wrong. Um, pronunciation, but I'm, I'm, I made an effort to, to use that down, just in case you get confused. Uh, so they rate political risk about privacy risk. And the internet enabling terrorist, be they Islamic, white supremacist, far right, has been a hot topic for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to, right? So the main driving point with her testimony was like, I mean, she talked about Facebook's business model and data and tracking, but like the main driving, driving point is everybody's like, Facebook's not censoring enough. They're not censoring hate speech enough. And you're right about like the terrorist thing, although that, you know, it's now been 20 years since September 11th. And if we look back, and there have been many articles written about this, uh, how we gravely overestimated that threat, right? And destroyed, you know, ba basically, in some respects, you could argue the terrorists won, right? Al-Qaeda did that basically that one big attack. I mean, okay, that was a, the subway stuff in, in London as well and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, they, they made two or three big attacks And they basically got us to change our whole way, way of life and abandon a lot of the freedoms that that set our culture apart from theirs. Um, you know, you could make that argument. And 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 the hate speech thing is completely different because we're not talking terrorism here, right? Um, I mean, yes, it started somewhat with Christchurch, and you could say that was like a terrorist attack. I mean, it was a terrorist attack. But, um, like... Um, so I've never understood the impulse, like why, you know, why everybody said that must be censored. I mean, I understand the argument that you don't want to give, you know, attackers, terrorists like that, a platform, right? But like, um, if you think that argument through, right, if you say, okay, somebody live streams killing people in a mosque and we must pull that off the internet everywhere, By that same argument, like the CN CNN shouldn't have, no TV channel should have covered September 11th, right? You should have just turned the cameras off. Like by that same argument, like the, the terrorists are, you're enabling the terrorists if you show the towers collapse. But that's news, right? And I think the way news are, are portrayed, you know, the way news get, uh, I don't know. It's not really reported. The way the news develop and, and society consumes news has just changed, right? So we don't have that. We, ha we The internet enabled a direct channel. The internet enabled everybody with a camera and everybody has a smartphone now, so everybody has a camera and can broadcast to the world, right? I can twitch, right? I can potentially have the same audience right now and that, that only CNN had in 2001. Um, so this this argument that we must censor that, I mean, that's what the press wants because the press used to be in a position where they were the only ones who could do the reporting and they did all the decision-making, right? They were like, are we showing this? How much of this are, are we showing? That was like their decision. And, you know, if you do that, you feel good. You feel empowered. That That, that is power, right? Um, but that's been taken away. You know, ever since, I, I've never experienced that I, as a journalist. When I became a journalist, that was already long gone. But you don't have that power as the press anymore because if you go, oh, there's this attack, um, we're not reporting on this for whatever reason, 
then just like Joe Schmo takes his iPhone and live streams it on, on, on YouTube or Facebook and goes, look, the press not covering this, but there's like buildings burning here. Um, so I think actually I'm somewhat um, uh, preempting myself here, but like I think that's where some of this um, this 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 urge to censorship, at least on on the part of the press, comes from. Um, <laughs> Astros, he says accessible equals dumbed down to the American level. Um, yeah, I you know. Is it really dumbing down? It's, 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 in some extent, people just doing it themselves, i.e. what they used to call citizen journalism when, when, when they thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, I would like, I would call gonzo journalism, right? That's the term for it, right? Um, yes, that is like, it's amateurish, mostly. But like, is that really dumber? Like, is that dumber than this fucking Guardian? This Guardian story is dumb, Right? The news on TV are dumb. They're like that. Like, literally, I don't watch TV anymore. I haven't watched. Like, I was actually reflecting on that. That like this thing. I turned off all TV news after 9/11. After like I saw this live on TV, and then I saw the coverage, and then the, the coverage just got absurd because they were covering the same thing over and over, over and over, over, over again. And they were like months later, there was still ah, here's the victims and here's the survivors and here's. And like it, it was just I, I stopped watching TV news. I think that was the point where it catalyzes. And like I watched stuff selectively, right? I watched stuff that was aired on TV that I get off Twitter or YouTube or whatever, um, or Facebook or wh whatever, anywhere off the internet, really Reddit, um, but only selectively, right? And I, I watch I, I, I a lot of YouTube is is better coverage to me than anything that's on TV right now. Like I that to me that is dumped down. Um, yeah um so i you know this to me if you read my blog post i, I linked a, i wrote a blog post on this on this topic as well i linked that in the show notes private citizen press as well um i was kind of it's kind of hard to me to grasp so i can i can i can analyze what is happening here and I, I call it an unholy alliance. We have an unholy alliance of the press and uh, politicians. And I think the intelligence agencies, I think, are involved as well because they often, especially in the US, uh, not so much in Germany, or maybe they're just doing better and we don't realize, but like in the US, they clearly manipulate the press. Like, and it's not even manipulation anymore, right? When, 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 when channels like CNN go and put an ex-CIA guy on a show as a political commentator, that's not manipulation. Like they, they're willing collaborators, right? They go on about like at on at the same time where they go, went on about yeah, Trump's a liar, Trump's a liar, lie, 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 lie. They put a guy on a show who is whose job is to lie, right? He used to run. He was he run the CIA. People run the CIA. They're spies. Spies lie. That is their job, right? I mean, come on. I I I I don't I never got this. But anyway, so I think it's the it's it's the media, it's some politicians, and um, in the US especially, it's also the intelligence agencies. Now, I think this is obviously colored by my personal perceptions. Um, I feel that the politicians that are 
hardest in this censorship thing, which I've talked about a lot, you know, they want to want to get Facebook and other social networks to censor all kinds of things. Uh, for some for for a reason I find incredibly ironic, um, are you know progressive politicians from you know somewhat of the left spectrum mostly. I mean, in the U.S. it's mostly the Democrats. In Germany, um, it's anything left of the CDU. Right? I talked about polit political parties in Germany, Germany just recently, um, two episodes ago. So uh, was that two episodes ago? So this is ninety. That was eighty-eight, right? Um, yeah, so eighty-eight. And Jamaican traffic lights. <laughs> Another title meant to pull you in and make you interested. Uh, it's certainly more interesting than oh, federal election in Germany. Um, yeah, and these politicians, for some reason, are very, which I like. That to me is also weird because I feel like. So these people are supposed to be the more enlightened ones, right? They're, they're supposed to be the progressive ones. They're thinking scientifically, supposedly, and they're generally more liberal, right? The left is generally more liberal than the political right. But this is the antest, antest, an, an, anti, anti, antithesis, antithesis um, of being liberal, right? Wanting the state to control the public discourse is anything but liberal, Um Super user says, I think console journalism is supposed to be self-insert, where you are a character in your own feature story. Uh, for example, my name is Fabian Cherchen, and I infiltrated the world's biggest tech network, posing as a Russian billionaire. That is a good idea. Shit. I should do. Why, why don't I think of things like that? I'm a shitty journalist. Um, yeah, but it's also like, I think console journalism, I think in its, it's a bit amateurish, and I think it, it presupposes that it's not objective, right? Which I've, I've talked about journalism here often certainly trying to be objective, but I realize, I think as any good journalist does, and this is a strong part of concert journalism, I think, uh, to realize that, you know, nothing, you're not objective, nobody is, right? Anyway, so I'm not objective here, right? This is my politic, this is my political compass. That is how I perceive the world. And you might completely see it differently. Please write in and tell me why I'm wrong. Um, private citizen press contact i say that every show not enough people do it it looks like i censor shit it makes me look like i censor that shit and i don't i i get a, f a lot less uh lot fewer uh um voices that contradict me than i want so please i need more of that uh please grow some balls tell me why i'm wrong um right so that that's how i perceive Maybe, you know, maybe everybody who thinks is wrong tunes out after two minutes, and that's the reason, but I, I don't know. Um, it's probably the reason. Um, so I find that ironic, but I've accepted it. So the, the my, I don't know, the closest thing I can come up with an explanation why that is, is I think that conservative politicians are generally, you know, they're more like the... Um, uh, not specifically religious types, but even if they're not like many German conservative politicians, they kind of th still think like that because that's the tradition and they're like traditionalists, right? So I think their approach is more, whereas the left for some reason seems to go like adult people can't decide for themselves. We must decide for, that, for them. That's the only way I can interpret if you go the state should censor what 
people say on Facebook because the evil Russian hackers, um, the the more conservative, they're, they're more, I don't know, they go like, you know, in the end, you know, God will decide or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how they think. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a lot more conservative than than a lot of people, but I'm certainly not that. Like, I've, I've never been religious. Um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe they're more like, I know, it, it'll sort itself out in the end. For some reason, they seem to have more trust in adult people. Maybe that because everybody's created the same under God, and that's what they base their um, political and, you know, philosophical foundations on. I don't know. Whereas the left seems to be... Like, I'm... I'm more like that right i'm more like a, a john locke kind of guy where i'm like you know humans are shit especially by themselves and you know um so you know just we need a strong state to just like pull us together because when we do that then when we have a contract as a society then we can be good but if you have two humans and you give them enough to eat for one of them and you put a knife in the middle like one will shift the other there's a good movie about that, by the way, uh, called um, God. It's called Der Schacht. Now I have to look this up. Uh, I don't even know what's called in English. I think it's a Spanish movie. Oh, it's called the, the the Platform. Yeah, it's called the Platform. That's an amazing movie. Um, it was on. I saw it on Netflix. It's really good. It's relatively heavy, but it's not like you can. I mean, it's it's heavy. It's heavy. It's a good movie. It's about this kind of thing, like society and, you know, how we act uh, when we when when like the boundaries are gone that the state imposes or when the state just says there are no boundaries. Right. The evil Russian Cambridge Analytica hacker says, says, yeah, that, you know, that comes up a lot in this context. And, you know, I've, I've talked with Mike about that, where Mike is like. Um, has the opinion, which, you know, is a valid opinion that, that Cambridge Analytica that did something like really evil and stuff. And, and I'm like, well, in the end, yes. I mean, yes, you can, you can collect a lot of data about people and you can manipulate them. But in the end, if they get manipulated, like it's their fault, right? It's it's same like with phishing, right? I'm as a, somebody who writes a lot about security. I think about this a lot. IT security. I understand why phishing works. Like even if you're the best security expert, if the social engineering is good enough and they hit you in the wrong, you know, at the wrong time of the day, and you're just like running around, you have tachycardia like me, and you're just trying to, and if they hit you in the wrong thing, you might click on that fucking link and f just to get get it done and fill in your information and then they fucking fished you. Like, that can happen to anybody. That can happen to fucking Troy Hunt, right? It can happen to anybody. So I understand how that works. But in the end, if that happens to you, it's your damn fucking fault, right? And nobody can protect you from that. Microsoft can't protect you from that. Your antivirus can't protect you from that. The state can't fucking protect you from that. Censorship of fucking email of all the fucking links can't protect you from that. If it's right, and they're fucking state-sponsored Russian hackers, like they all seem to be, that's what Microsoft says now. I wrote just a story on that on just the other day. You know, that like all the attacks are now from Russia, and they're all state-sponsored hackers. If that's true, like they'll, they'll get you. Like you, censorship of that, it's not going to help you. And the same thing I feel with Cambridge Analytica. It's like if, if somebody can like 
take you on Facebook and target your stream with like banners, political banners and shit and advertising, and you believe that stuff, it's not Facebook's fault. It's not, well, it's the attacker's fault because they did it, but really they can't be blamed. Well, I mean, yes, they can, but you can't like, it's like criminals, right? They will always do things if they can do them. The actual problem is the user who believes that, who obviously wasn't educated enough. Right, there's something wrong with your, our education system if that's that's the problem, um, and that's the same thing with fishing. I think we could get rid of like probably fifty percent of all fishing that works if we just taught kids in school what fishing is, right, and and how it works and how social engineering works. Um, yeah, so so I I don't know. That's that's my approach. Um, Superuser says, are you sure it's left, right, instead of populism, radicalism versus establishment? Trump was a populist guy throughout his tenure, so he was in favor of openness, whereas a more being, a more boring politi politician will believe in proper conduct, and that means silencing some voices. I think German politicians are more the latter. Yeah, but we have in Germany, we have these censorship politicians as well. No, I think it's a, it's, I think it's a left-right thing because I mean, populism versus establishment is kind of you that 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 goes, that's like at odd angles to that, right? You can have left populists, you can have right populists, you can have left establishment people. Although, yes, the more radical left people tend to be populist. Like the more radical you get on the left-right spectrum, the more populist you probably get as well. Um, but. I mean, I don't think so, right? So, but but in in on that axis, when you apply that to the topping we're talking about, then the populist people would actually be better because Trump wasn't doing this shit and Biden is doing the censorship shit. So it would be the establishment people who want this censorship. But like that doesn't really work because in Germany Merkel was or is still she's still in power. Because they haven't, haven't, as we talked about, haven't have a, uh, founded a, gov a new government yet. But um, like, she's very, very establishment, and she she was against this shit, right? She was calling out Twitter for suspending Trump, um, and she's generally been like that. Like, she's been relatively hands off in, um, like, like even with the worst things they did in Germany with COVID. Um, I felt like she was relatively restrained on that. Um, and it was all the other people calling for it. Like it was the press calling for it and like the SPD, like the, the more left guys calling for it. It was, it was weird. It wasn't the CDU. It wasn't like where you, like it turned over my, my, when I was a kid, when I was like the, the, the conservatives, the CDU, like the Christians, they're the bad guys. They do all these security laws, right? And no, actually, they 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 didn't. If you look at the last 20 years, it's not been those people <laughs> for some reason. In the US, it's been the Democrats. And in yeah, but in the US, maybe you could make an argument that's also like, I think in the US, what what makes what works better is if you call them the neocons because they're neocons in the Democrat Party. I think they're more in the Democrats, but they've been neocons in the Republican Party as well, right? So George W. Bush. Uh, pretty much was in the same in the same camp, um, but he's like the, the why I think that's like an axis is because if you look at the twentieth anniversary of like nine eleven, he, he's now being lauded by the Democrats in power for what he did back then, whereas back then he was like the devil, 
it's it's like weird it's like these lines are all shifting um that's why trump wasn't successful he didn't make people shut up yeah i mean trump um trump wasn't successful because he antagonized the press um too much i think i feel um yeah don't forget george bush had the greatest approval in history for most of his term until america went bankrupt well yeah but like um like it's also and that's on that's another there's another aspect where you go like what do the voters want and do they actually like do these politicians actually have approval for this kind of thing um i don't know but um let's go back to i, I don't even remember uh where where well i you know so i think for some reason i i i got my point again uh the actual drivers of this are politicians, and I feel like they're the model left. I mean, we we could argue, you know, I'm I'm trying not to put people in these in these boxes, right? But like when you're talking about politicians who are in the, in the government, they put themselves in these boxes, right? There are Democrats right now, so, um, so you have politicians who want to do this for some reason. They feel like they have to, and they like doing it because it gives them power. It's kind of like the COVID restrictions, right? It's like you, when you're in power, and so I've never been a politician and I've never been in any kind of power, but I've studied history and you can see this in history all over the place. And you have history professors been talking about this for 50 years. That's, you know, some people call it power corrupts, but I think that's kind of wrong um, because I think politics just corrupts um but like you're when you're in power and you can make decisions that change people's lives that feels good that's like one of the ultimate kicks you can have that's why you get rich people going into politics because for some people that is better than uh you know having money and whatever you can do with money i think it's kind of like if you're a rock star and you're on stage you're fucking bruce springsteen and you can put your arm up and like 40,000 people jump up, like that gives you a feeling that very few things can, can replicate. And I think when you empower and you say, everybody must wear these masks now, and then the next day you go out on the street and everybody's fucking wearing these masks, you go like, I am God. Like my word is literally law. And... I think that is the same impulse where this comes from. I think that's the politician angle. And that's just how politicians are. I don't think we can do anything about that. Um, and I don't really blame them for it. Um, I keep harping on about it and I rant about it because I find it really interesting. And I find it, it just blows my mind that it's the, the, the left people or the people I used to think of as liberal who are doing this shit now. But like, I don't think you can change that. I want to focus next on the journalists because they don't really have that. Like, as a journalist, you have a little bit of a kick like that when you write a story and lots of people read it and you influence the world, then you feel good. And I, I can I can speak to that. Um, that's why I always said I don't understand these journalists who are like, oh, hate poetry. I'm getting hate mail. It's also horrible. <laughs> I'm like, when you're a journalist, you do that because. And maybe that's just my understanding because that's what I how I am. But like I have a huge ego, 
obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing podcasts, right? I've, I've done, done podcasts for like 10 years without making any money of it, spending loads of time. Like, like people would call you insane, right? I've probably spent more time doing podcasts than Elon Musk has on anything and he's fucking rich like everything he do he does like the right thing and he makes money of it and I just do it for like twice as long and make zero money actually use lose money and the only reason you do something like that is because you have an ego and I feel like if you're a journalist if you're a writer a big big part of that is having a huge ego and you're seeing that you know you're when you're on TV and and you know that was a you know, I was I was on primetime TV once on the German on the target show, the main news, right? The main eight o'clock primetime news. That was an amazing feeling. That was like that's like that ego thing. That's like being Bruce Springsteen and being on stage. And when you write something, you write a book, you write an article, you have that same feeling. It's not as direct though as being a politician, because you know, when you write an article, you can only okay, oh, so many people read that, and then you like you imagine I've changed society you really haven't not like if you're angela merkel and you're like the borders are closed and then nobody can leave the fucking country anymore um, or you all have to stay inside or you know censoring facebook and your post is gone and your post is gone and your post is gone um but i think it kind of taps into the same uh, impulse um Oh, uh, I actually have to take this up. Or to, there's some there's some uh, people disagreeing with me on Twitch chat, which is great. Which is what I wanted. So, uh, Terrestrial Jim says, "Well, your explanation of who is at fault when you get hacked sounds too much like victim blaming for my test. I think the criminal is at fault and is to blame, even though I get what you mean when you say they are not because it's kind of their job. But still, that's actually not what I meant. And if people are not educated, sure they could self-educate." Um, but that protects you only so far. But I agree, censoring will not help in any case. Yeah, I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm actually not blaming anybody. Um, I, I use the term blame, so it's my own fault. It's my own fucking fault. I dug my own hole there. But like, what I, what I was trying to say is like, we all know the... I mean, the criminal is at fault. The criminal should go to jail. There's no argument about who's at fault. I'm looking at it from a... I'm looking at it... Maybe I shouldn't have used the word fault. I'm looking at it from a society level right i'm looking at it like if we want to solve this problem where where is where is the thing we can solve it at and right now everybody's like oh we need software we need we need maybe censorship but like we need fucking software and antivirus and 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 this and that and, and the other thing and the cloud and fuck whatever um, we, can, we obviously can't solve it on the criminal side because they're in fucking Ukraine, in Russia. They're in a place where the government just won't touch them for that very reason. Like that's that's like saying you know uh, we have a heroin uh, a crisis in the U.S. Who's at fault? The fucking cartels are of course at fault. But if you want to turn it off, like you know you can't. Going after the Sinaloa cartel is not going to solve it because you've been doing that for forty years and it doesn't work, right? So you need something else. Right, and with with um, with this, it's also like you can't go after the hackers, and the technology thing is not the problem. The, if you want to solve this problem, you have to solve it at at the user, right? And um, and I agree with you. That sounds like victim blaming. When we're talking about Cambridge Analytica and, and for voting, then I don't think it's victim blaming. Then I think these people are they are at fault. Um, I think you could make a political argument, uh, uh, you know. A, 
um, a sociology argument where um, when you're in a democracy and you're voting, you're supposed to be an informed voter, right? And you shouldn't go, if you have no fucking clue what you're doing, you shouldn't go and vote. And I think, I, I mean, this might be elitist and I, some people will, a lot of people might be, disagree with this, but I think if you get fucking swayed by a meme on Facebook, you shouldn't be voting. I mean, I know that you can't stop these people from voting, right? We can't have like IQ tests or whatever. It's preposterous. But like, I think these people are literally at fault. And there, I don't think, in, in this specific case, I don't think whoever's doing it, like some Russian secret service, some, some propaganda ministry, they're not at fault because they're literally doing their job. And, and we also have ministries and shit like that. Every, every country has, intelligence services and every country is doing um propaganda right and if you're saying that these people are at fault because they're doing propaganda and you know i don't know they should be in jail then every fucking guy in an advertisement agency should be in jail because they're doing literally the same thing right for another reason but they're fucking you know the fucking oh the coke oh we all love each other or the, the google we're all we, we're so we're so diverse now look at the guy in the long hair and he's using our search engine and it's the world is amazing that's fucking propaganda it's propaganda for you know in in the employ of a company and not a state but it's literally fucking the same thing so these people should also be in jail so i don't think they're at fault the fucking idiots who who, who can't like who gets weighed by this Right, if you watch it like a Coke thing, and they're like, "Oh, we're making the world," or what was the Levi's thing? Oh, our thing is now sustainable fucking clothing. Like, if you watch that, and you're like, every fucking company, I watch YouTube, every fucking company today is telling me that they're there to make the planet better. Anybody who believes that is a fucking moron. Sorry about all the rants, but you probably tuned in for that. Like, no, that's not what companies do, right? Like, nobody fucking believes that. And so you don't believe any fucking, like, stupid memes from some Russian hacker troll. I mean, Jesus, come on. Um, anyway, super user also said, uh, it's a, uh, said, said later, it's a huge topic. So only a quick question. Do you have an episode on section 230 in your archives? Would be interested in your opinion as it's relevant to the topic. And I want to re research Fab Thought more. Um, I talked about it. Um, I can't remember what episode that was, but I, I, we can probably in, employ. Let me just see section two thirty. I'm using Google. Uh -huh. Freedom hating. Private. Uh, I actually want to do an episode on. I must do an episode on on um, alternative search engines um, and how if that works. Um, so. According to this, I talked about it in episode 30. Oh, actually, I have a section 230 tag. And uh, that's the only episode that's tagged with it. So that was privacy, got to earn it. That was about the Earn It Act. Um, I think I talked, talked about section 230 there, yeah. Um, and then we also talked about it. I talked about it with Mike in episode 48, Trump, Biden, and the role of the media. Um it is a huge topic. It's probably worth doing an, a whole episode on as well. Um, yeah. So, going away from the politicians, going going towards the press. Um, 
So I think it's actually much more sinister on the side of the press. I think the press, which is lauding, and we have talked about this on the show a lot, um, it's generally lauding these efforts of, you know, the state going, social networks must censor users. There's hate speech, there's, there's whatever. Um, and this largely goes beyond, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, I'm not on, I'm not even, I'm not on a standpoint where I say like, you shouldn't have any, let's call it censorship because that's what it is. You shouldn't have any censorship. I can't say that in Germany. In Germany, we have very, you know, we have, we have very specific laws that certain things need to be censored, right? If I, uh, if it's not in a historic context or as a teacher or whatever, and I just go posting swastikas on Facebook, I'm, I'm breaking the law. That is a, like, there's not a civil, that is a, like a criminal offense. I think that's like two years in prison. Um, so, and you know, as somebody who uh, believes in the rule of law, um, I, I don't, I, I think we should repeal these laws personally, but they're on the books. So yeah, Facebook needs to comply with German law in Germany. So they need to censor this shit. But that is exactly why we have those laws, right? They shouldn't go censoring anything else. And nobody in the, no politician should call for them to do it, especially not without legislation. If you want social networks to do this, you need to fucking draft legislation, which they don't want to do because it's been going to be a lot of work. And then they have to like beforehand think about what they want censored. They just want like, take this off, take this off, hate speech. Like they want to do it like, what they want to do is, I have a link in the show notes as well, uh, to, to Glenn Greenwald wrote a good thing on the Substack um, about this, um, about Francis Haugen and this whole thing. And like what he says there is something that I've actually also independently said before. What's happening here is like states these days have the tendency, and that's, that's the US, that's Germany, it's the UK, it's probably everywhere, it's probably happening in Russia. Um, it's certainly happening in China. States have the tendency to use private enterprise to uh, enact things. And they don't want to specifically, like, like they don't want to make a law where, like, okay, we're censoring this off the internet now. No, they're pressuring, they make, like, circumspect legislation or legislation that just, some like, writes around that topic. And then they basically get, you know, private enterprise like Facebook to do that for them on their platform. And especially in the US, they need to do that because whereas in Germany, we actually have laws where you go like, okay, you know, this needs to be censored. That's what the criminal code says. You don't have that in the US, right? You have actual, I'm saying you to my US listeners. Um, sorry, gonna drink the rest of my Earl Grey, not so hot anymore. <laughs> Um, you actually have like protections there. You have wide-ranging protection for free speech, so they can't do that, right? Um, or maybe they want to change. You know, they're going to Section Two Thirty, and and they want to. That's actually one of the um, discussions around this uh, whistleblower thing. Now that they're saying, okay, we need to like change Section Two Thirty so that um, companies actually responsible for what they post, like what their users post. And um, Greenwald makes a great point. Greenwald says, that is the biggest, it sounds like that is like not in Facebook's interest. 
or Twitter's interest. And, you know, they were specifically founded not to censor shit like that. They wanted to just, you know, especially Twitter, you know, just was was created in the spirit of let everybody say what they want. Um, but that would be the biggest gift you could give them. It's a bit counterintuitive, but um, Gruner makes a good point. He says, if you impose legislation like that, where like, and it's just to the back door, it's not like the government makes a law and says these things, these topics are illegal. And when you post about them, you go to prison. No, it's, hey, let's use civil law to make Facebook for example, responsible for things their users post, so then they get can get sued. Like not criminal law, use civil law, right? We see that everywhere. I talk about this a lot. Where like basically civil law is used by the state to do things they don't want or can't put in, like you know, in criminal law. Um, and that's that's good for Facebook because only these huge things, like you know, only YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, only those guys are big enough. Um, to even begin to do that. Like if they change 230 and they say, okay, or whatever, like, you know, some kind of safe harbor thing, uh, we have similar laws in Germany. If, if they are changed and they say, you're now responsible um, for what your users post, then like every little fucking, like Substack is dead, right? Every little forum that some guy just runs is dead. They can all be, they're, they're all closed because you know, you can't, you can't, you don't have the resources to check everything your users do. Like I, Greenwald seems to be of the opinion that Facebook and Twitter, whatever, can do that. I or YouTube, I don't even think they can do it, but they can at least approach it, right? And we talked about this with with copyright stuff and upload filters. Um, you know, there's so much video uploaded to YouTube. I don't think they can check that. And we don't, have, we haven't even approached. You know, I'm, I'm broadcasting this on Twitch right now. What's Twitch going to do? Right? This is live. I say something goes out immediately. What are they going to have? Like an army of monkeys just checking every fucking channel? Oh no, Fab's saying something unapproved. We have to kick him off now. Like, I mean, it's... It is like... It is insane. To Like, if you think about it, I can't, I can't understand how, how people want to... Like, even our politicians or like... Yeah, like politicians should think about this, but they are after the power, so they don't even do that. But as a journalist, when you're writing about this and you're hating this, like you, maybe one thing I could think of is that journalists want this because they're kind of fucked because, you know, they are, so it's 2.30 and these, these, just to quickly explain this, these safe harbor laws basically work like this. If you're a publication, you have editorial control, you're responsible for what your writers say. That's always been the case, right? If a newspaper slams you, you can sue the newspaper. Um, but these platforms don't have that because you know they don't have editorial control. You can just, as a user, go there and post there, and then you're responsible as the user, which is, I think, what it should be. That's how I understand law on its most basic level. That's how that's who's responsible, right? So if somebody goes, some white supremacist terrorist asshole posts something on Facebook. How is it that Facebook is responsible for that? If I go on Facebook and post the swastika, like under criminal law in Germany, of course Facebook's not responsible. I'm responsible, right? If I buy a, a Walther PPK and, and shoot my neighbor in the head because he's a fucking asshole, like Walther Arms is not responsible for that. Like why, 
Why would they? That makes no fucking sense. Like, is a ham if I, if I hammer him to death, is the hammer manufacturer, like, is, if I use a power drill from Bosch, is Bosch going to be responsible? Like, what the fuck? How, like, you know, if I drive over somebody in a BMW, it's not BMW CEO going to jail. Of course not. I was driving the fucking car. So, I like, why don't, how can't people see that? Like, why don't you see that? And I think journalists are probably, yeah, they're in a bind because they are, you know, the publishers, and I'm, I'm talking publishers because basically they're joined and they're, like, not, I'm, I'm saying they're controlling the journalists, but, you know. When you employed for somebody, you try to do good by your boss automatically. So you're like, you're kind of like, that's what journalists, in, in what direction, like, their thinking goes to. Right? And they're like, oh, look, shit. Uh, we used to be able to control everything. We had the printing presses. We had the, you know, we had the frequencies. Um, like, we controlled public discourse in the 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, you couldn't just, like, Joe Schmo couldn't just say what they think, right? Fab just couldn't say what he thought and then broadcast that to the world. He could write a newsletter to the, like, a, a letter to the editor. But then, like, the editor gets to decide if they publish that, right? Um or you could call into a TV show, but those calls were screened, so they decided if that let you on. Um, so you just couldn't put your opinion in the world. And now everybody can do it. So shit, what we're going to do as journalists, right? And now we're even fucked because if you write something, an opinion, then we can get sued. But if somebody, if Fab just writes it on Facebook, right, nobody fucking cares. So let make, So why are we responsible? Like, let's make Facebook also responsible for their in air quotes editors so the billions of people just can write things on there um uh super user says that's a uh, about the forums that's a good point forums often had gestapo like that's your words not mine unfair moderation in the day but it was passe because the internet was so decentralized well well that depends very much on the forum you were on right so you know back in the day linux outlaws forums for example yeah used to run a podcast called linux outlaws like I had one rule for that forum that was like um, you can post anything except if that's like the stuff I need to enforce like if you if you're on my forum and you break German laws like you post swastikas then like I mean I'm not responsible after back in the day after the laws right the, the Verfassungsschutz would, would knock on my door and they would say are you running this forum and I'm like yeah so did you post that and I'm like no that is Joe Joe Schmo uh, from Tennessee, uh, and then they go okay, but like they would knock on my door and they would check, and I would get to trust. So I don't want that. So I'd be like, no, I'm going to comply with German laws. I'm going to comply with all the laws I know and I find reasonable. Certainly not going to comply with any Saudi Arabian laws or whatever. Um, but you know that that's what we would do. And then if somebody posted anything else, which is like what these days people want censored, like I hate speech in air quotes, and I'm not talking like. You know, there's, we have hate speech laws in Germany. You know, I'm not talking about what's on the criminal code. I'm just talking about what, like, Der Spiegel calls hate speech. Um, or anything like that. We would just, like, tell them to fuck off. Like, I wouldn't even, like, have to delete the, the account. People would just bully the guy off the forum. <laughs> like, even like we wouldn't even, mostly not even ban, like, spammers. Like, the guys came on, like, advertising something, link spam. We just, everybody would bully them with, like, gifts and stuff. That's what I do on Twitter. You know, if somebody comes to me and is like, oh, Fab's, I don't know, something bullies me, fucking hate speech, 
whatever. Some crybaby would call it hate speech. I just reply in in gifs. I like have this collection of I like uh, WWE gifs um, that you can just because wrestlers are so great. Like Becky Lynch has like this. I mean, they do everything for show on TV, right? So they have this amazing gifable like uh, facial expressions and shit. So I just use that. I just bully them back. And I was just like, I've never had a guy stand more than like, let's say five, six wrestler gifts. So he would like bait me, like, you know, try to debate me, kind of fucking troll me. And I'd reply with a gif. And then he reply again. I reply with a gif. Like no people, nobody stands that for more than like five wrestling gifs. And if they're really, really tough, you can just go like the thing Stone Cold used to do where like somebody just said something, Stone Cold just goes, what? What? There's like an amazing, sorry, hitting the mic there. It's like an amazing gif of Stone Cold just going, what? 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 Somebody says something to you on Twitter, you just go, what? 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 Like that, that's how I reply to shit like this. I don't need to censor the fucking internet. Um, yeah, you could say I'm also not vulnerable, right? I'm always saying, you know, nobody ever sends me dick pics. They only send that to, to women. But like, I would just laugh at them. Like if I was a woman that was getting dick pics, like I wouldn't get traumatized by that. I know what a dick looks like. I just laugh at them. Um, but that's also because I was relentlessly bullied in school for years, and so I'm kind of you know, that part of my brain is kind of dead. Like you can't you, you can't hurt me. Like before I was ever on the internet, I like I I had a very good time on the internet. Um, kind of like um, uh, what's his face, uh, Derek Smart. <laughs> It's a king of trolling as well. Who was, who was always like, like you can't fucking troll me, because like for him it was like the early bulletin boards where he basically was confronted with anything people can do, you know, anything they can do, go to whatever. Like you, you've seen it all, and I've had that. I've lots of shit done to me, like in person, in school when I was younger, and that was all, all way before the internet, and so that fucking prepared me for the like. You can't do anything on the internet. That, that is not as scary as like what people did like it's much more scary when they do that to you in person and when you realize you can do over, get over that and it's mostly just words and you know at some point you realize you can just fucking I never did that that was my problem back in the day but you know these days I was just I don't know somebody tries that in person I just walk very close to them right and do like a UFC style stare off and then I probably fold. And if they didn't, they, they keep, kept doing it. I would just at some point just smash their face. <laughs> but like, you know, and if you can't do that to you in person, then like you can't do that on the internet. And that's kind of my approach. That's why I don't understand the censorship, right? That's why I'm like these fucking people who get like, I don't know. Apparently you can steal an election by sending people very targeted memes in like bad English and apparently that works um, I mean yes of course that works I mean if we have talked with Mike about Brexit I can see how that works with Brexit right because if you have, you have a certain person and it's not like I mean some of them probably uneducated but it's not even that it's like they're normal working day people right they don't want to fucking they're not like me like talking about politics on the internet for hours on end they just want to get a lot along with their lives and they just consume a certain amount of news what, what news in air quotes like facebook things and it's the same for everybody it's like the the guardian people um they get influenced they only read the guardian they get influenced by that and if you only read like right-wing conspiracy fucking facebook pages then you get influenced by that like if you only have if you only take that amount of time in the day and you're not thinking critically 
you'll get influenced. That's how propaganda works. That's how influences work, by the way. I mean, you can get influence in your election thing, but you, you know, in your election, in your voting, uh, but you can also get influenced to buy like dumb shoes. Um, because some, some blonde chick on fucking Instagram says they're great. It's all basically the same thing. Um, what, what, what makes me so angry when it comes to journalists is that they really, their job is just the fucking opposite. Right? To me, I've become, become a journalist because I think it's, it's fun. Uh, I have a big ego. It strokes them. But at the end of the day, I also believe it, it is a job that is, um, if you do it well, you're doing a net good for society. You're basically like a teacher. You're very much like, except I had kids and I could never be a teacher. But you're kind of doing the same thing. Like you're trying to inform people, right? You're trying to inf make society and people's lives better by, by informing them. And that might just be doing video game reviews. But I'm not not even saying like Pulitzer Prize winning stuff, but like you, like I I I am doing this job not because it pays well, believe me it doesn't. Um, not because it's like an easy job, right? It's very stressful. There's a reason I have tachycardia. <laughs> um, sorry, I keep referring to that. I think I talked about this before. I don't have tachycardia. Before, yes, I did. I did this like you know. The problem with streaming this live is like I, I, I talked a little bit before I went, uh, started recording. So for anybody who's listening on the podcast, like, what's he talking about? Um, just before I started recording the show, my wife came home and she was like, I have this thing you can plug. It's like a Bluetooth thing and you hold your fingers on it and then uh, your iPhone does like a, a heart EKG. Is that, is that it's an ECG? Is that an ECG in English? Shit, my brain. Uh, quickly electrocardiogram yes an ecg it does like an ecg and it said i had tachycardia because i've been running around all day like a madman also you know i was just out of the shower and before the shower i ran 10 kilometers with seven kilos of fucking ballast for in an hour 15 uh, so it was actually more than 10 kilometers um so yeah i don't have tachycardia but yeah it's not a it's not a fun job well it's it can be a fun job but it's not a it's not you don't do it because like you make money a lot um you don't do it because it's like uh, you have good working hours and it's very relaxing and you don't really have to do anything at the end of the day you're probably a journalist because a your ego and b you believe you want to make the world better and i think that's actually a, a big big reason why uh, journalism or the current style of journalism doesn't appeal to me and i think uh, has gone to shit because current journalists think like they take this idea of making the world better and they think they need to be activists, right? They have the same mindset that lots, and I think, I think that's where they meet with the progressive politicians. I think lots of journalists are also, you know, they're pretty much all university educated, you know, some, some like me are dropouts, but like, you know, they're all relatively intelligent, I would say, you know, or at least well-educated. Um, those people tend to be more left, like people that go to university tend to be more leftist than the, the rest of society. Um, so and it's also like it's a it's a it's a generational thing, right? So the in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, maybe most of the journalists were very conservative, and it turned. It was just like a cultural shift, you know, the the the, the summer of love, uh, sixty eight generation, whatever. 
that like lots of those people went into journalism and that that shifted things um so i think that's kind of where they meet um and like these people for some reason they think they know better i mean yes i probably do that too like that's you know if you're a journalist you're like i'm at least i'm you know i mean you, you have kind of have to believe that if i write about it security like you know, I have to believe that I know more about the thing I'm writing about than most of my audience. Otherwise, why why would I be doing it, right? Um, but you have to like humble yourself in that, right? You can't be like I'm like lots of these articles just like telling people off, right? They're just like very condescending, and you know I talked about that in last episode. Uh, you know, stuff Matt Taibbi was talking about cult of the vaccines, kind of the same thing. It's just very down to like it's like that Guardian article i know better and I'm, I'm i'm telling you and i'm very much trying not to do that whenever i write anything um because like yeah i probably know more about this than most of my audience but there will be people in my audience who actually whose job this is you know and they will know better um so yeah i don't this i, I don't like this this new style of of like trying to be an activist like i need to change the world like that yes as a journalist passively yes as a journalist you're changing the world if you're just doing your job well like you should you shouldn't write articles that change the world if you if you're a journalist your job is to be like a catalyst for society your, your job is to report things and to report your view as you see it and that's it and that's fucking enough because basically you you have more access than other people you have access to to experts you can you know you can you can shine the light on things and then you let fucking people decide for themselves yes it's all objective it's all subjective and you put your own like you know i write security stories i put like i do this at the end of the story i demarcate relatively well with my language and i go into a kind of like this is what i think but i'm trying not to be like condescending and like i know better what I'm trying to do is like, okay, here's what I think because of experience, for example, right? Um, so, so when I write a story about like router vulnerabilities, and I've written this story when I was at Heise and afterwards now as a freelancer, written this story literally hundreds of times, and it's always the same fucking thing. It's always a security researcher finds a security vulnerability, goes to a really big vendor, the really big vendor ignores them, security vulnerability researcher writes them tons of emails, rings them up, waits for 30 days, fucking discloses the thing, zero day, huge security vulnerability, I'm over-dramatizing. But like, and when I write that story, I have to assume that somebody who just comes along and reads my story that I've written for Heise because they said, you know, you're a freelancer, please write this for us. Um, I have to assume that that guy, that's like the first router vulnerability story. He's right or she's right or whatever, or like the second one. And and I have some experience where I go, at the end of the article, I go, this is, you know, this is not out of the ordinary. This is exactly the problem with home routers because these fucking uh, manufacturers don't fucking care. That's subjective, but that's not condescending. Or it's, I'm trying not to be. I'm trying to, like, you know, I have this experience because I've wrote this same story 300 fucking times and I'm trying to tell the reader something. I've learned from that. Um, and I'm trying to make this very transparent. You know, I'm, I'm usually without saying, you know, I fucking did this 300 times. I'm trying to say, you know, we have, there's certain ways so you like formulate this, right? We have, we've had this experience. 
whatever. Um, and I think that's it. And if you're doing that well as a journalist, then you don't... And Right, then you have... People will see that routers are shit and what the problem is. And sometimes they don't. And then you have other tools. You can write an editorial. You can write a column. I love doing columns. Like, I'm very, very, very opinionated guy. Surprise. I like writing opinion pieces. But you demarcate that as an opinion piece. It's called that. It's in different writing style, right? And then you can, like, that's all you can do as a journalist. And then if you really want to be an activist, you really have to clench your butt cheeks together and then you have to write a book for yourself. And that's pretty much all you can do without then afterwards going into um, politics. But you shouldn't be a fucking activist. If you're a journalist and you 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 sit there and you think climate change is a, it's a huge catastrophe and it's destroying the world, stop writing fucking articles and you know, join, I don't know, Fridays for Future, whatever. Become a fucking activist if you want to be an activist. But don't be a journalist. It's like the same thing, the same issue with there's lots of journalists who don't think, you know, they don't make enough money as a journalist or they don't get, an, you know, <clears throat> they get fired or whatever. Uh, and they become, uh, they go to, uh, P they go into PR agency. And, you know, I don't fault anybody for doing that. But like anybody who ever comes back, like for me, that is a one way move. Right, I've th thought about this in the past. Do you really want to keep doing this job? Do you want to earn more money? Uh, you could go into, adver into advertising. Lots of people do that. Um, I don't want to do it. And for me, it's a one-way street. I would never go back. If I ever do that, I would never go. I don't trust anybody. And there are plenty, like plain journalists in the open source space. There are quite a lot uh, who were journalists, went to a, a PR agency, worked the idea off. Did PR for Red Hat or IBM or Microsoft, who knows? And then they, they come back and then they're journalists again. I'm like, how can you ever trust those people? It's like, you wouldn't trust somebody who's a journalist and then works for the for an intelligence agency for 10 years and then is a journalist again or five years or whatever. Any, any, any journalist who has a whiff of ever collaborating with an intelligence agency is like that to me. And the same thing is like with PR. I don't like... I don't get that. And it's the same with activism because that is basically what activism is as well. Right? You're not you're not when you're an activist, you're not when you're a journalist, you you're kind of beholden to your readers. You're beholden to the public good, so to speak. Like you to the to the like to the public and you're trying to call it as you see it and you're trying to be as objective as you can. When you're an activist, you're throwing that overboard and you're going, an issue is so important that actually when you're an activist, you're actually okay with propaganda propagandizing, right? Um, when you're a communist, you want like the fucking state to be communist. When you when you are a climate change activist, you're like, um, this is so important, we need to stop everything we're doing. And it's basically basically what you're saying is it's okay to lie or to mislead the public if it justifies the means. Which I would never do, but I understand when people do that. I understand when people think something is so important that they want to do that. But you have to understand that you're doing that and that you can't be a journalist and be the be that as well. That is like fucking being in the army and then holding like speeches at a at like a pacifist conference. <laughs> it's just like nobody will fucking believe you. Um, 
<laughs> to Rasputin says, ego and making the world better. I wonder why not more journalists become politicians. Um, I th I think because basically, so I had a I had a teacher, uh, um, a professor in politics who says, if you ever study politics, you will never become a, a politician because you see how shit the game is. And I think that's what journalists see as well. Um, uh, Subiu said, devil's advocate though. Uh, you have a history of writing anti-corporate security stories and more recently privacy stories. Now you do a podcast with a specific slant. So are you too not an activist? No, I'm trying specifically not to be. Um, no, I try to see it as I, I call it as I see it. I now do like this is not on, not only a privacy pod, privacy podcast, but um, I started this podcast and I said so very publicly actually at Oc Camp. Um, that was before I started the podcast. But then it was like, um, people ask me, why don't you do another Linux podcast? And I did a Linux podcast because I think, thought that was an important issue. And then I was like, I don't think that's an important issue anymore. Not as important as privacy or whatever, or like civil rights. I think that's the issue of the day. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I think it's okay with, as a journalist going, I want to cover a topic because I think it's very important. But that doesn't make you an activist. Um, the, it's the approach. Um, so as me, what I think a journalist should do, I'm doing a privacy topic, but I'm not like unapologetically, oh, this is a pro-privacy guy. Like I've, Max Schrems, I've, I've, I've criticized the guy in the episode I did about, you know, him, you know, when, when, uh, on the, on the, um, SARS-CoV-2 pandemic stuff where I'm like, the dude really has double standards like on on one hand he goes like it's okay facebook can't do this and they use the data and then he goes oh the state but the state can do this it's in the law right so i'm or i did for example I did the the ssl episode very early on where it's like people think this is a privacy thing and i don't think it like i try to call it as i see it um and i don't think as an ex act activist that's your goal as an activist you have a goal and you try to get there by whatever means. And for me, if I have a goal as a journalist, because I think I think this topic is important, if in covering this topic I think it's not important anymore, I would like stop stop it. Right. I would stop covering it. Like if I if I thought privacy uh, we had bigger problems. So if if I was actually of the opinion that that um, climate change was a more important. Uh, topic to society right now than civil rights or privacy i would stop doing this podcast or pivot it i would call it the climate citizen or whatever um right i would i just don't don't see that but take that as as you will um Astro-C also said there's a difference uh, from I know more about that subject to I know better how your life should be. Um, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the point. That's basically what I meant. Uh, I sympathize Fabs as super user. I wanted to be a UI designer growing up, but I think it's a sick parody of itself now with dark patterns and design that puts KPIs before users. It kills me because it's a genuine interest, but it has been too perverted. Yeah, I mean, but you could still go into that and just, it's hard. It's hard. You could go into that and try to be better. I mean, one of the reasons I became a journalist actually is like, I've always played with the idea, but I was actually on my way to, you know, 
into an IT career, basically. The reason I, I always wanted to be a journalist is because I wanted to make it better. I think I believe I believe that people are interested in the news. I believe that they need to know the news. And I need I believe that good journalism can make the world better. Um, but if I look at this is why I'm ranting all the time and I'm so angry, because if I look at the current state of journalism, I, I think precious of it does precious little of it does like most of it doesn't most of it is disguised pr propaganda uh people who are i don't know trying to be activists people who are just dumb i don't know i don't know what they're doing they're phoning it in um so yeah but it's not been easy right i'm not there's a reason i'm not like a uh respected like security editor at the spiegel or something right because uh, I'm 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 tilting at windmills here. <laughs> uh, this is why I have the Rosinante over my desk. Uh, because I'm fucking James Holden. Maybe should uh, yeah I should I should, I should uh, maybe I am. <laughs> Just broadcast this. Broadcast this to the world. It's gonna make everything better. Ah oh, no, not again, Holden. Not again. You did it again. You fucked it all up again. Um. I took out uh, more books on UI design during my degree than my actual subject. I graduated to 2016 and have just become more depressed at the direction of web and industrial design. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see actually. I've never thought about it that way, but I, I know what you mean. That's actually a good topic. That's something uh, worth writing about. I don't think enough people are writing about that. Um, well, at least you have a degree. <laughs> I didn't even get a degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, this whole dark pattern shit, I mean, that's another, I mean, it's the same thing, right? It's like, what the, it's a, f you know, you could argue that it's a fucking user's fault, but you know, some, some, I, I think you're right. Some UX design is, 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 is really evil. Like you can do some really evil shit. It's basically, pro I think they're using, this is an idea. I'm brainstorming good ideas here. Things to research. Uh, uh, reading Bernays and then comparing that to like modern UX design. I think uh, there is a correlation there. I think they're using like propaganda techniques with this shit. Uh, if you want to do a podcast episode, I'm happy to send you good reading material. Please do do that. That sounds awesome. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I think there is... Um, let me just wrap this up, all right? So I think we have politicians here who want, because they, it's power, they think it's cool. Um, they, or they're misguided, probably some of them. They want to they wanna censor social networks. Uh, we have journalists who think that's a good idea because somewhat it's in their interest. Um, they want to they wanna get Joe Schmo on the internet to shut up. Um, they want control again. And for some reason, they have the same political ideals and these po politicians who want this. And, um, you know, I don't blame Frances Haugen. Um, I think she does, you know, she does what she thinks is right. Um, but I think she's just being, basically being used by these people who push this narrative instead of, you know, her... Uh, you know the, the stuff she said about like tracking and how um, I mean she said some stuff that I just like yeah 
I know it's like it doesn't really work. Like she said some stuff where it's like, yeah, they use users data without their permission. Um, so they, you know, they should be forced by law to uh, get people's permission. And that's just like, if you know anything about computers, like and she worked at Facebook, so she, she must know this. You know how that's idiotic. That's like the fucking cookie thing. It's like um, uh, any website you go to, you will now get a banner that tells you things about cookies and just like do a focus group what people do. They just go, I need accept all get this sh or accept nothing get this shit out of my way i need to fucking i don't care about this i want to read this article right so um facebook just goes oh we we need they pop up like this message like we need your uh consent for this data to like for the for your uh for your fucking newsfeed to work or whatever, that people just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the same people that are saying, like, we need to censor shit because people are too dumb. Like, they, they can't tell that they're getting misled by the Russian hackers or whoever. Uh, so we need to, or the, the supremacists, and we need to, it's white supremacists, we need to censor all this shit off Facebook, go... Yeah, but we need to enable people to, de to decide like what consent they want to give for like that. They, like they don't understand this fucking thing. They don't understand how this news uh, feed works. They don't understand how the business model from Facebook works. Like they can't tell the fucking ad apart. Like in the Facebook, you know why Facebook ads work so incredible? They work incredibly well. Like for small business, um, if you talk to people who like do advertising, Facebook ads are the best thing ever like since sliced bread they work amazingly well and you know they, sometimes they even work, like sometimes they work i mean i've bought stuff that i've seen on facebook I've, i discover stuff on facebook right i've discovered this uh okay that was actually instagram but it is facebook was at the same time uh i i discovered this great company that does um um why why can't why don't i know this word what what's my, what's my brain Google this word, uh, jewelry. That's jewelry, and uh, that's really cool. That appealed to me, and that I've never would have found because they're like in fucking Portugal, right? So it, yeah, that works. But generally, it works so well because fucking people can't take tell the ad apart from what their friend posted or the fucking influencer that you know. Or the, I mean, the influencer itself is native advertising, but yeah, uh, right. So. And the the problem here is, I mean, the, the thing Greenwald also points out, it's like, no, the politicians in the US, they go after fucking Facebook because they're not censoring too much. They're not going after Facebook because they're a fucking monopoly and they're misusing their monopoly. And they're not going after the fucking uh, surveillance capitalism machine. They're using that. The FBI has a fucking office. They have, they have like rooms in the Facebook headquarters. They're using that. The government is using that. They're using that same information, right? That same thing, oh, Cambridge Analytica, that data. Yeah, it's, it's fucking evil if a company takes that data. Uh, well, they're not we're supposed to do, uh, do that, so it's fucking evil. Yeah, but our government agency can just like, you know, they do that with laws. They have subpoenas. That's okay. Like, what? 
Right? And, and, and Greenwald points this out, and it's, it's so true. Fucking Congress and the Senate and the US government has not gone any after tech monopolies ever. They've not gone after Microsoft, a criminal, I, I think, a criminal uh, monopoly in the 90s, uh, you know, getting that market share on the PC market. The shit they did to acquire DOS, the shit they did to get Linux out of the market, uh, you know, Apple, um, you know, you could argue that they're a monopoly in a certain, like, uh, area of, of, of the population. Um, like, they're not going after that. They're not going after Google. Google has a fucking monopoly on the search market. They have a fucking monopoly on the advertising. I mean, Facebook's now making inroads into that, but, like, 10 years ago, Google had a fucking monopoly in the advertising market, uh, in, the, in the tracking market, and if if Apple doesn't have the monopoly and Google has the monopoly in the phone market, it doesn't matter if it's an open source operating system. Like they're not going after any of that shit. And as Greenwald says in this piece, and I agree with him on that. Like we're not saying Facebook is good. Facebook is most certainly net bad for society. But the reason the reason that is is because they're a fucking monopoly and they're misusing the power. The reason is not that they're not censoring your speech enough. Right. And who like how can you read this? Like you have basically politicians that are saying, okay, that's a whistleblower, we have a hearing. And they're basically saying, okay, so the problem with you, you listening to this podcast, citizen, private citizen, the 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 problem you have with Facebook is not that they're a monopoly, right? That you can't get off because your whole family is on there, so you have to be on Facebook. Uh, and all all the restaurants, everything, everything's on Facebook. They're fucking tracking you. That they're, they're taking all your data. They're misusing your data. They're giving that to God knows what intelligence agencies. Who knows? That's not the problem. No, no. The problem you, Mister Private or Mrs. Miss Private Citizen, have with Facebook is that you have too much free speech. We can't have that. Because you and your fellow private citizens are just too dumb to know what's good for you. So we, ha we must have warnings that your friends are extremists. And we must censor stuff we don't like. Like, that is, that is what they're saying. If you break it down, that's what, the, that's, that's what they're saying. And people are buying this shit. They're like, yeah, that's the problem with Facebook, that I have too much... Like, I have too much free speech and the guy next to the next door who's an idiot has too much free speech. We need to curb that. Don't don't take them out of their monopoly, don't break them up, don't keep keep them in power. Like fuck, we need Facebook. Facebook is great for society. The only problem is we have too much free speech. Like the fuck and this is America. Hello, hello. This is a German. This is a German telling you Americans that uh, you have, why are you uh, complaining about the free speech? Aren't you the last uh, best hope for freedom and society in the world? Was this uh, fucking uh, man in the high castle uh, correct? And you are now, are the Nazis now ruling the, the, the United States of America? Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> the world's gone crazy. It's nuts. <sighs> Right, I'm wrapping this up because we have a lot of, because I think I've said everything. And uh, if you agree, you agree. If you don't, please contact me. 
private citizen or press, I would like to hear your opinion. Um, and once again, I'm not blaming Francis Haugen. I'm blaming the fucking Democratic Party and the, f the fucking New York Times and The Guardian. They're, they're the problem here. They're the guys who want to screw you out of your civil rights. For for some reason I still don't understand. Anyway, let's let's go into feedback because we have a another massive. I'm still I'm still recouping all of the, the fucking uh, emails I got while I was away. Like I also did some very long episodes. There's some massive massive feedback uh, which I think is very valuable though. So I really want to read it out. So let's do that. This time, uh, we have an email from uh, Mike Small, and uh, well, basically two emails. Um, and the first one was titled "Army of Geese." So you know what that's about. He listened to that long ass episode with Mike completely. Now I'm just going to read out what he says. I think this is really good. Uh, Mike says, uh, "Mike Small, that is, says, uh, enjoyed the Brexit show with Michael Mullen Jensen. The timeline was helpful for was helpful for me." I read a few Guardian stories, but never dug in enough to understand the tie-in with the Good Friday Agreement very clearly. He did a great job of laying it out systematically, helped a lot. See a teacher or a professor, he'd be good at that. I actually agree. I think he'd be good at being a professor. I think he'd be wasted in school. Um, but no, Mike is, uh, he used to do, um, I think he still does quality control. Uh, but he obviously, you know, he did uh, epistemology at, as he, as he told us, Uh, at university so i don't know he's uh, he's i agree he's very good he's very good at that certainly much better than me um on scottish independence i wondered if the danish arrangement where they packed to the euro uh, but could opt to float would be a good one for the scots if they separated from the uk and rejoined the eu um the question there is like would they would they not keep the pound right that's not Would they actually get the euro? Hmm, it's a question. Um, you had stated that use of the euro should be mandatory for members, but the Greek experience after the 2008 financial crisis points to that being less than ideal for some countries. Sure, they got some debt, but would but what would really need what they really needed was the ability to devalue. At least that's what I understood from Paul Krugman's. Paul Krugman editorials. See, I I think there's two train of thoughts on this, and I I'm I'm on the other side of the argument. But keep in mind, I know fuck all about economics, which I always say. So this is just like a, even more of an opinion. Um, but I think from reading it, there are two uh, train of thoughts, and mine is actually the more progressive. I think in this case, uh, this, this the, the 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 theory you um, quoted was, I think. Um, advanced by more of the conservative people. Um, so that would be like that this whole thing was caused because they weren't independent enough and they couldn't value their currency. I think uh, the Greek uh, problem was caused by the Greeks fucking up their... Like they literally... F like they, 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 they lied. <laughs> they lied to themselves and to the EU for, for years, I think a decade or so, where they like they had goals they were supposed to reach and they just didn't and they just lied about it and they just you know they didn't, couldn't get their people to pay taxes and um i mean this this was the Varuf, whole Varoufakis thing and Varoufakis was very much on the other side and i didn't trust that guy either 
because um, I remembered when he was at Valve. And uh, speaking of UX design, Varoufakis, when he was at Valve, he basically, you know, uh, I think he has like a degree in economics or whatever. So basically what he did when he was at Valve uh, was um, optimize like um, for Steam and stuff like that and Valve's games um, optimize um, microtransactions, like how to actually uh, screw people out of money with microtransactions. And then he went... Uh, home uh, to Greece and were like he was finance minister for a while wasn't he and he was like uh, oh yeah we need to be socialist and capitalism is the problem <laughs> like the fuck you just you just went you spent like I don't know years of your life being hyper capitalist and now you're all of a sudden like and not even like the thing is like you can change your mind and go like I did a bad thing let's go socialism but never like even admitting that and just going yeah I don't know I just came out of nowhere and now I'm a socialist. It's like, what the fuck? Um, so no, I'm of the opinion, uh, like if they hadn't, if they had their own currency, that'd be, that'd be even more fucked than they are right now. And you can, I mean, that's been, before they had you this happened. Like they, the, the Greeks fucking devalued their currency all the time. I remember going on like, on like holiday in Greece and you'd like, uh, like you'd buy like a sausage, a small sausage for like 10,000 lira or whatever it was. Uh, was it no? What was the was it the? Wow, what was the Greek currency? Uh, I mean, the lira was Italy, right? They they had a similar problem. It wasn't as bad, uh, but like, what was the when we went to Greek? Um, oh, the drachma. Yeah, I mean that was like fucking. No, was wasn't what did they had the drachma before the euro? Uh, wait, need to Google this. Greek currency. Speaking of Google's monopoly, we currency before euro. Is that the drug money? I was so young. I should just remember that everything cost like I mean, yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't. I don't know. It, it didn't seem to have helped them before. They were just like keeping themselves afloat barely. I mean, the real problem is that the country doesn't have a fucking economy aside from tourism, basically. Which is that's what I mean. That's Scotland's fucking problem. <laughs> um, so I actually think if you then in the euro, it actually helps you because the, you, you're going to get propped up, you know, because we can't afford the currency to fail. So the so the small countries actually get propped up and then get bailed out, uh, which I think on the long run is probably bad for, for all of us. But anyway, let's keep going with what Max says. Um, I think you asked for an American opinion at net on NATO at one point. Maybe you were hoping to get a contrary contrary opinion. Yes, I was. Uh, but I find myself in agreement. If there's a less appropriate democratic country to poke its helmeted nose, I like, I like how he writes, into other countries' affairs, I don't know what it would be. We're inward looking and not culturally fluid as a rule. To me, the period of US's history when she was isolationist seems a better match for our culture. Um, Backing up this opinion, I'll quote Congresswoman Barbara Lee regarding Afghanistan. Actually, I think, yeah, I agree with you on that. Osubio um, uh, says, you didn't mention where Varoufakis was finance minister and basically asked for debt deferrals. He supported the referendum to uh, reject the Troika, IMF, etc. package. He succeeded. Then six hours later, he resigned saying, well, I can't sign this. Such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> True, I forgot all about that. It's basically Nigel Farage of Greece creates the problem, runs away from it. Yeah, I think no, I th yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't think he created it. I think he, maybe he even believed that he could like 
fix it but like i think he then suddenly he, he, at some point he figured out that you know this is like a a problem that you can't like fix with like creative or with like wishful thinking right there's like a deep-rooted i mean there's a i don't i i like greece and i like greek people really i do but like it does feel like there's like a if you're german especially like from our viewpoint right we all pay our taxes we're all like good citizens fine like it's a if you look from that viewpoint it's like a problem if you have a society where like paying taxes is like for some people it's like optional and everybody fucking cheats and you're like yeah that you can do that but since the taxes i mean you even argument for we have way too much taxes in germany but like they support the fucking state if you screw over the state like you can't and not like one guy but like the whole society like if as a society you just decided let's screw over the state like the state's gonna collapse basically right uh it's janis not janis he spells it's like that for quote aesthetic reasons shut the fuck up malaka <laughs> uh i like oh super user i've triggered super user uh we also have the f same first name and foreigners spell it wrong because of that cunt. Oh, it's Janis, not Janis. Oh, sorry, I didn't read the first thing. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was spelled with two N, not one, um, for aesthetic reasons. <laughs> He's a bit like, like his whole approach, like I just realized this, but it reminds me of Elon Musk. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, uh, Mike quotes Congresswoman Barbara Lee regarding Afghanistan. The special inspector for Afghanistan reconstruction has come out with reports over and over again. I just want to read a little bit. This I think this is from a speech, so that's why it sounds so weird. Uh, I just want to read a little bit about what the last one said. He said, we're not equipped to be in Afghanistan. The report also found that the United States government did not understand the Afghan context, including socially, culturally, and politically. Additionally, and this is the cigar, the cigar, the cigar, uh, the special inspector general, U.S. officials rarely even had a mediocre understanding of the Afghan environment. Um, back to what Mike is saying. Holding over Russia the threat of pulling ex-Soviet states into NATO, I don't know how anyone would expect them to take that lying down. It would be interesting to hear Yevgeny's, uh, Yevgeny's uh, opinion on this. I've met Russians here in Boston who think NATO is a threat to peace. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, as a democratic principle, there should be vo voters with a stake in the context in which troops and weapons are used, acting as a check on how they are used. That is not the case with U.S. troops stationed at the hundreds of bases across the world or used in interventions. Yeah, as a German, I would agree with that. Although, you know, with the with the um, Russian thing, I mean, e the EU did the same mistake. I mean, the EU basically caused you know, the Ukraine crisis by, you know, trying to pull Ukraine away uh, from the Russian fear of influence and, you know, into NATO and into the EU. You know, the Euro Maiden thing, which I completely misunderstood at the time. I thought it was great because I was an idiot back then. <laughs> just, like, that was clearly the EU manipulating and, you know, it completely obviously backfired. And now Ukraine's a mess. So, thanks, Angela. And fucking... What's a Lagarde? It wasn't Lagarde down there as well, uh, and and you know the the the, the CIA was involved. It's such, it's such a fucking mess. Um, and then he uh, Mike Mike Small wrote a second email, which I'm gonna read this out because I'm doing very long episodes, and I said last time I want to give people if I can 
the ability to like also have have long feedback and i think this is really good so i'm reading it out um mike also wrote an email about uh the afghanistan afghanistan episode with some good points um, your strongest point, I thought, was the concern over small arms. This is echoed by Ilyas Yusuf in this recent brief from the Center of International Policy, and that has links, like everything in the general private citizen press. Uh, and he's quoting this guy. However, the Taliban have long had access to small arms, so the acquisition of M4s, M16s, Kalashnikov origin weapons, or other heavy machine guns would not drastically enhance their capabilities, though it would expand their stockpiles, where the weapon cache may prove most risky in its implications for illicit trafficking. I actually don't agree with that, because, you know, the Taliban traditionally, I mean, the weapons they had traditionally had access to, like, we're talking mid mediocre, very old AK-74s, AKMs, stuff like that, Russian-made assault rifles from the 80s. Um, it's very different having that and having, like, you know, state-of-the-art the M1A1s or whatever, like, you know, having M4s, uh, you know, state-of-the-art tactical gear. Like, just just look at the news coverage of the guys like what the Taliban looked like and then they walked like you know what they what they looked like when they wore all the American fucking tactical gear I mean that is that is uh, uh, an improvement but yeah um, I found him quoted in an earlier article in The Hill which is what led me to that organization's site Reuters also ran an article and also on the 19th of August on this topic. So there was a little bit of mainstream coverage, at least for one day. I don't recall seeing any coverage from The Guardian or the NY Times. Maybe I didn't read the news that day. The Hill article has quotes from General Milley and Pentagon spokesman Kirby that leave me wondering what happened next. The two together, as quoted, are great fun. Milley, we obviously have capabilities to destroy deployed ordnance. Kirby, we don't obviously want to see our equipment in the hands of those who would act against our interests or the interests of the Afghan people and increase violence and insecurity inside Afghanistan. There are numerous policy choices that can be made up to and including destruction. And what I would tell you at this point is, why well, he speaks like a French politician, uh, is those decisions about this position of that level of equipment in Afghanistan haven't made yet. Then what happened, I wonder, says Mike. Uh, so on the 18th of August, they were yet to decide. QFAP ran. Um, yeah, obviously, they, they decided not to do anything. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, they would have done it by then. That That's my rant, in air quotes. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I need some water in my mouth. My, my, my throat's getting very dry. Probably a bit dehydrated after that run. Um uh, I like Elias Yusuf's brief summary better than the Jim Hoft link you supplied. Maybe John Dvorak has no agenda, but I suspect... Wait. Uh, maybe John Dvorak has no agenda, uh, but I suspect that Jim Hoft does. And he's quoting him. Here is a more complete list of US supplied and left behind equipment uh, now controlled by the Taliban, he writes. To me, that reads as purposely blurring what was supplied with what remained and the tele uh, Taliban attained. Um, and now he makes a very good point. I think he's actually, this is his spot on in this. Wait. Uh, Super user says, small point, the Taliban deliberately put on the American gear for photo shoots. Yeah, of course, it's called propaganda. Taliban propaganda and not representative. The average Talib who is somewhere between police and army still wears traditional garb. I don't know. I don't know. You, you sure they're not wearing the uh, the the tac tac? Because I can tell you, tech tech players are amazing. I mean, if I was Taliban and I was like, 
you know, police dude. And uh, I know I had access to like 5.11 tactical gear. I'd be wearing that. Um, because it has molly attachments all over. It's, it's awesome. You can carry like five rifles if you want. Um, but yeah, obviously that was propaganda. Um, uh, Mike says, also the uh, $90 billion figure looks inflated. It's pointed out in this fact-checked site and he puts, points to Snopes. And I was going to rant about this, but he, the goes on about this later so i'm just going to read out what he says um that figure make according uh, as pointed on this fact check site that figure may come from the cigar and gao reports of the total dollar spent supplying and trading afghan forces a number which includes salaries fuel etc elias yusuf also cites 18 billion dollars as the amount spent only on equipment in this report linked above then there was some carted away or destroyed if the fact checker above or his sources can be trusted. I think you'd express frustration with fact-checked sites. Um, don't know if this was your angle, but I'm not happy with the tone of the Snopes one. I'm certainly not either. Um, the references are useful, but I can imagine it being passed around to me and quote, that claim is bullshit, forget about it, end quote. A correction of $90 billion to $10 billion, or whatever the number is, I don't see a link with John Pike of Global Security showing his work on that, is good. But $10 billion, hundreds of thousands in small arms, it's still really fucked up for the US government to send that out into the world, whatever the reason. Um, I agree with you. So I have a huge problem. I don't like fact check size in general. I have a huge problem with Snopes because Snopes, you know, originally it was like a, it's like a fucking, let's check some meme site. It's not journalism. I don't know if they actually imply journalism, journalists now. It doesn't feel like it. Um, this Snopes article is horrendous. Um, they're basically saying, no, it's false. They have a big plan. It's false. It's not 90, but it's false. And then they have this huge article where they go, blah, 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 And they have no fucking information. So, well, they have some of the information that uh, Mike's quoted, which is right. So the 90 billion is wrong. We probably, we know that. Um, but they don't have good other number. They're not going, it's that many billion. And they're not, that's, I think, what Mike means with the tone. And I agree with him. They're not like... Um, I mean, I have a link to, to the thing in the show notes, right? The private citizens of press. Everyone read it for yourself. And please do. Um, but like their, their tone is, is not like, okay, so it's not, not 90 billion. Uh, what is it? We don't know. And it's like, oh, it's 10 billion. It's like, oh, so, you, so you're telling me the US Army just left 10 billion. Like the US military just left 10 billion, $10 billion dollars. Like you and me, we can't even imagine how much money that is. If you're not Elon Musk, you can't imagine how much money that is. You can't. You think you can, but you can't. $10 billion is so much money, you can fucking spend it. It, it, it. it multiplies itself faster than you can spend it. You can go to Corvette and say, I would like every Corvette you have. And then you go to Lamborghini, it's like every Lamborghini you have. Then you go to a yacht company and buy all the yachts you have. And then you buy a fucking cruise ship from Cunard. And then you buy a tank uh, or you buy a fucking small country. And you still have more money than you, than you don't, than you know, like the number. Like you still can't spend, like you can't fucking spend. It's so much money. It's unbelievable. And that's what that Snopes thing should say. It should say, okay, the 90 billion is wrong. But even if we take it down to 10 billion, that's still more money than like, and it's still a huge scandal. Um, so I think it's, but I, I, I love that Mike sent that in because this is a valid correction to that episode. Um, I don't think it corrects the premise. I think the premise is still valid. It's just like the numbers were obviously wrong. And I think the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? 
is between 90 billion and uh, between it doesn't matter from Snopes. And maybe it's 10 mil billion, maybe it's 4 billion, maybe it's 1 billion. Even if the US military left 1 billion behind, that's fucking unthinkable. And it's the same with the helicopters. Snopes go, oh, it's not 60 Apache uh, or Black Hawk helicopters, it's just 10. Oh, just 10. And then there's linking some guy on Twitter who says that they were probably disabled. Right. So, I mean, why don't we know this? I mean, if you're a journalist and you think about this, and you that's why I don't think they employ journalists. They're no good ones. You go like, okay, so we have this meme and we have people as Snopes as fighting misinformation and they also want my money, which they're not getting for this shit. Um, fighting misinformation, right? And it's like, Oh, all right. Uh, so uh, think about this. Uh, so why do we? Why don't we have numbers? Why don't we know how much they left behind? Why isn't the U.S. military telling us? Why isn't the U.S. government telling the U.S. the the like you, the listener from the U.S. Why doesn't it tell you how much of your fucking tax money is now in the hands of the Taliban? There's two reasons. A, because they don't want to. Because maybe it looks bad, because maybe, just maybe they did it on purpose. Or B, they don't know. <laughs> which Both of which would be a fucking scandal. <laughs> because if they don't know, like, I mean, this, this is what I said. I discounted the theory in the beginning of that episode. I said it's probably not, you know, the normal thing. You go, what's that uh, law where you go if it's either malicious or uh, stupidity? It's probably stupidity. It's like, this is probably not incompetence because the U.S. military. It still could be incompetence, which would make it almost a bigger scandal, right? If an organization that has bigger funding than, I think, all pretty much all other states have, um, have a budget for like the whole country. <laughs> if they're this incompetent, that's like the biggest scandal in the history of mankind. Anyway, Mike says, uh, "Thanks for the episode." I didn't know any of this before. Dwarak's exact theory. Well, who knows? Yeah, I feel like that as well. I, I think it's probably closer to the truth than the other side, but who knows? Uh, the Reuters story... We don't know. That's the point. The Reuters story above mentions in passing a China angle of the opposite kind, that the Taliban would give China the weapons. <laughs> I just laugh at that. Uh, but I'd heard even... Uh, but I'd not heard even the story that these arms were left, which stands on its own as scandalous. Um, yeah, and I agree. And that wasn't played up enough. Like, doesn't matter how much it is. That's like a huge scandal. And, you know, really somebody who should be like, really the New York Times should have a writer who's writing about this and winning a Pulitzer by uncovering how the fuck this happened. And where, where's that reporting? Where's that whistleblower in Congress or in Senate or whatever? Nowhere. It's not happening. Um and like the China angle is laugh laughable. Like the Chinese don't like the Taliban. Yes, they need tactic plate carriers and uh, nice helmets and night vision goggles and like even disabled helicopters they can squanch for parts or whatever. They need everything they can get. They need fucking M4s. That's cool. But like the Chinese, I mean, they're like they're they're becoming the biggest military power. That's like what the U.S. military is afraid of and warning of that they're, they're about, you know, they're ramping up their military spending to exceed that of the U.S. military. They're fucking aircraft carriers. They have their own stealth fighters. They have rockets. They have nuclear bombs. They have everything. They have their fucking own assault rifles that they've designed themselves, and probably their own caliber. I don't know much too, too much about that. But, like, 
you know, and you know, we know how many assault rifles they have. They don't need to fucking like even like ten billion is. I mean, yeah, they could like get some of it, and they're like, but like, like what would the Taliban get in exchange? Like, what can the Chinese give the Taliban that's worth more than weapons of war? Like, no. If anything, the Taliban are selling the Chinese some fucking opium so the Chinese can make some nice designer drugs and then, you know, ship that to Germany with the help of the cyberbunker guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't, I'm not buying this angle. But Mike, uh, thanks for writing in. This was amazing. I think really good. Um, really good correction on that on that number as well. Um, this is This is what we need. This, I, this is what I need. I need people to correct me when I'm wrong on things because I can't do it all. I'm just I'm I'm just doing my best here. That's all I can all I can fucking I'm just trying to be a good journalist, alright? <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just I'm giving my best. It's sometimes it's also not working. Um yeah, and with that that's that's the perfect segue into telling you why you need to give me money. <laughs> So uh, part of trying to be a good journalist is uh, making this show so that uh, we're not beholden to advertisers because that wouldn't work either. I mean, like that wouldn't work anyway with the shit I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Um, so I can't do that and I don't want to do that. Um, so the only other way is if you support me because if you don't, who will? Uh, but you don't have to feel like you have to. Uh, all the details in the show notes. There's this nice little section I call Toss a Coin to Your Podcaster uh, as a little homage to The Witcher um, and to Henry Cavill. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, all, all the stuff's in there. I'm not going to go in, into that into this uh, this time. I've, I've bored you long enough. Let's get the hell out of here. Um, but what I have to get into um, out of honor and respect for the people who are supporting the show is giving them the credit they deserve. So I would like to thank everybody who's brought this show to you. Those people are Georges, Steve O's, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, Michael Small, 1I11G, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, Vlad, IKN, Bennett Piata, Kai Sears, Tobias, Fadi Mansour, Rodane the Insane, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Mode 7, Sandman 616, David Potter, Mike, uh, Mika, Rizal, Martin, Avis, Mustamish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Cam, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Captain Eckhart, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, D, Robert Forster, Superuser, No Reply, and Astral C. And who uh, was in Twitch chat? And uh, speaking of Twitch chat, I would like to um, mention all the sub Twitch subscribers because, you know, our stream is live on Twitch, as I said, and I also stream other stuff like video games uh, with a very old graphics card. <laughs> Shit, shitty looking video games. Um, but, you know, you, if you're subscribed to that, you're supporting me as well. So it's, it's it all goes into one bank account, which is notoriously empty and uh, sometimes has enough money in it for me to buy food. No, it's not that bad, yeah. Uh, lucky, <laughs> luckily, I have a, a, a woman who uh, who suffers me 
gladly <laughs> makes more money than me uh, anyway i everything helps so he doesn't kick me out so thanks so much Twitch subscribers mike the dane uh, jonathan mh underscore com sandman 616 centurio purchase bacon the pork mode 7 is unavailable l to rest with jim uh yannis with two n fuck varufakis uh the cunt galtaran uh, varufakis is a cunt galtaran is a stand-up guy or gal uh galtaran and redeemer F. thanks to all of you also thanks to bitemark bitemark.co.uk for providing the servers that have the audio files on it without them i couldn't do the show either and uh, i also have to thank raul kabazadi who wrote the uh, theme tune which i've licensed from him called acoustic roots and that's it i'm going to play you out now with a song called uh, better alone by coma swenson feed rat revision and i have a typo in the show notes i see copy and paste error typical journalism thing gonna quickly fix that live on the show as always and i'm gonna play out with that song and i'll see you soon for another episode of the private citizen fighting for your right to have something to hide with a shotgun with a double barrel with an over under shotgun you know if you notice the new uh newish album art um i thought i need to need to step it up here in the fight and uh let people know what they're up against if they're trying to take our civil rights away from us Uh, have a good one see you soon thanks for listening Uh, I appreciate all of you please um, send me some feedback and uh, don't forget to aim to misbehave